Dan has been asking AI to write. He says, like, I'll give you the setup or the punchline and you give me 10 setups or punchlines for the joke. And so here's a couple he's got. Uh, a nun asked a prostitute for advice on what to give up for Lent. The prostitute responded, pickles, pasta, maybe even pissing. Oh. <laughs> it's like like jokes that are formed right, but just not any good at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did the demented clown say to the young mother after stealing her baby's pacifier? Baby, just wait until I rub the pepper in your eyes. Nice. <laughs> it's like a five-year-old trying to tell jokes who <laughs> understands structure but not content. So... I was just going to say, does it learn? ChatGPT is the one that that I've had experience with, and and it's got a lot of guardrails in so that it, it, you know, theoretically won't tell us to murder everybody in the world or whatever. But I think that it learns from within a session, chat.openai.com. Interesting. I'm going to open it up right now and give it some questions. Sign up. I don't know that I like that they're going to have this information. Why did the mortician tell the grieving husband to relax after the wife's body made a strange noise during the funeral? Take a breath, she'll gag again. What? (laughs) That's some kind of necrophilia joke. family from abroad male female and friends beyond the binary it is us the comics place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast we haven't been around listen i know you've been looking in the mailbox for us we haven't been there there we missed a week um tooth fairy came no dollar under your pillow no podcast either no podcast you put the treats out santa ate them but you had a feeling it wasn't santa and that's because we missed a week and i'm sorry about that but as always, I'm Jeff, and we'll get into that apology in a minute. And I would say it was worth it for all of our... No, no, we're just sorry. I'm yeah. Django. <laughs> I, too, am sorry, and I'm Roman. Nice to meet you. Sorry, I'm Roman, Dad. Django dragged <laughs> Colette and I to Reno <laughs> and gave us COVID at a gaming convention. Piped and it right up your noses. We know it's we know it was Django's machinations because he didn't get COVID in spite of being with us. So Colette and I got covid at the time, we would have recorded a podcast, and then we were out of town, and then we had COVID bad. We had it bad. I had to have a someone pee on my leg because I got stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> and uh, and now I'm back. I'm fine. I'm negative. I'm good. Things are good. Colette's still in 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 the quarantine, um, but we're here. And we're here. I'm... We we accept your apology or your your forgiveness. Thank you. We apologize, Django. Please, whatever you whatever garbage you were about to spill out. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that I finally came up with a way to let, get you to let me pee on your leg. I've been working on this for almost a decade now. Jellyfish and a partner that has not had any water is a very <laughs> good way to get somebody to pee on my leg. So very good. Thank you very much. We had in an incredible moment, the, we were recording our intro. We didn't have an email from Will Elmer and out of the blue, while we were discussing a title and an intro and everything, uh, Will called and gave us an amazing email question. So we're going to let everyone listen to that now. Andrew Carlson, who always edits the podcast. Thank you so much for always doing that. Thank you for doing the extra bit of work right now that involves you playing Will's phone call. Go. 
Hey, Will Elmo, you're on the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, and we're talking about you. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm. I'm working Free Comic Book Day this weekend. Yeah, you are. And I'm very excited about it. And um, I was told by the manager of the comics place that I was going to be working the floor. Last year, I worked the door. Yeah, you did. Uh, that was great. Uh, but I was told I was going to be working the floor because I can help people find stuff. Yeah, you're so, good at that. And two of our key players ha- uh, are in a COVID session and aren't going to be there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm just wondering what kind of advice you can share for somebody, um, you know, who wants to work in a comics place or not wants to, but maybe somebody who's working their first day on the floor in a comics place. What should I expect? What should I be uh, uh, what should I look out for? What should I be afraid of? Should I be looking for hooligans stashing stuff well, under there? That is an incredible question for the beginning of our podcast. And I'm going to answer it on air. And I can't imagine that was actually why you called me. So I'd also subsequently be happy to talk to you on the phone at any moment <laughs> if you have things of real seriousness to talk to me about. That is my podcast question. So you can absolutely answer it on air after I hang up the call. And uh, feel free to share any of it with me before I actually work the shift because I won't care the podcast. I, I will do all of that. <laughs> and I'll let you know that I'm at the final boss on Metroid Dread. And it Ooh. saved me during COVID. So all of that. Normal mode or hard mode? Normal mode, Will. I'm not you. <laughs> you got to restart it on hard mode when you're done. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I was proud. I took six hours off my first time. That's fantastic. And I am proud of you. Thank you. So, well, turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. This was and perfect. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. See you guys soon. Bye. Oh, I thought we were going to lie to them all. I don't know what I explained to you, Django, but that was never the plan. Now we're back. But again, I'm I'm bad with words and I'm in a COVID haze and everything. So like maybe I totally explained it different. But okay, so we just heard Will and he's covering free comic book day. He's gonna be working the floor. His question instead of the door. We like to move people in rhyming couplets yep. in the store. Yep. His question is what does someone need to be more aware of as a guesting? employee working at a comic shop on a day like free comic book day i think that's a fantastic question i have my answer but i want to i want to give it to the two of you what should will be bearing in mind he's mostly making sure that roman isn't shoplifting mm-hmm. i think is the, main uh, thing. is the first thing we tell oh, man, every gotta... employee during initiation <laughs> gotta work my way around will this year damn it <laughs> he's uh, wily he is he's he's gonna catch you yeah, yeah, we're gonna get you. caught this time he's gonna catch you I would say Will's main job is probably going to be to to kind of stick to a zone or have like a home base that uh, when somebody comes up to him and is like, hey, where is the Mark Russell comics? He'll find them and talk to them and be friendly and enthusiastic and tell them what he knows and be ready to look things up. And once that interaction is done, kind of gravitate back towards where he he was based and just be ready to help people do whatever it is, whether that's uh, find their comic or not steal comics, Roman. Roman, what do you think you would advise Will about, about your theft? Look that um, way. I, yeah, I I advise him to, you know, because he doesn't have to worry about me. So when I come in, he doesn't have to pay attention to me at all. And he should go on a lot of breaks and let me know when his breaks are. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Will, hey, I Roman, was, I'm going to go pee. Will, I would so I'll, say... I'll watch here for you. I'll watch this corner. Go ahead. I, I would take say your time. Do, do what you do fantastically, Will. Uh, exist in a place. Know you're going to be there for a while and try to become friends with anybody that looks like they could use a friend. And that will turn yep. into 
whatever they need. But mm. and when you're working at a comic shop, you just want to make sure everyone knows you're your friend, their friend. And you are because you have this huge thing in common by virtue of them being in a comic shop. So given that you have read a huge number of comics and you know, fortunately, where all of them are in our store, um, I've been talking <laughs> to customers and had you jump in before. It, just do that. Just be friends with people. And if they have something, you can say, hey, can I help you find something? And they'll say no. But if you can say like, oh my God, that book you're looking at is really, really good. That's awesome. I'm going to head back up. Do you need anything? They're going to ask you rather than the other thing. So become their friend first and what they need will become apparent after that. And that's the difference between Django and Jeff. And, ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. <laughs> and that's how you work in a comic <laughs> shop. Um, you guys, we've got big things to talk about this week. We do, big man. things. Batman turned like, 900. Kyle Starks uh -huh. had multiple books and he put one to bed. A cat was very naughty. Shazam <laughs> is back. Turtles and rabbits living together under one roof. Dinosaur Spider-Man. Murderers possessed or obsessed with angels. John Kent finding a dad that's not his. Transformers that aren't Transformers. Where do we begin? Where do we begin, well, friends? Gosh, Jeff. Um, I think we have to kind of begin with Batman 900 since... Mm. It's the one, right? Batman and, 900. And also, since you didn't read Peacemaker, try as hard yet. I want to. You know, if I was allowed to go in the comic shop anytime I want, I would have gone and picked that. I stared at that for a while, and I was like, there's a reason we're getting as much of this as we are. And I was like, it's probably returnable, but there's something else. And I, what I didn't remember from looking at an invoice was that Kyle Starks wrote it. So, no, I, I did not get that. And Steve but I look, Pugh drew it. I look forward to hearing about it, you guys. I take care oh. of our readers even when I'm not around. But before we so. get there... Let's talk about Batman 900 slash 135 by Chip Zdarsky, Mike Hawthorne, Philip Jimenez, probably a Jimenez and Mikhail Janin um, doing a Batman joint. I texted Django. I said, Django, you read Batman yet? And he was like, not yet. I hope to tonight. I'm real busy, Jeff. You're at home. You're not doing anything. <laughs> I was like, so's oh. Colette. I'm three people. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's me every Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I don't think I ever got anything back from you that matched my enthusiasm, Django. So why don't you, the lackluster man of the stars, tell us about Batman number 135? Well, so this wraps up the storyline of Batman in this alternate dimension. Um, and it does it in a, in a pretty interesting way, which sends Batman through a whole bunch of different, like our Batman, through a whole bunch of different uh, Batman iterations through throughout the multiverse. And there's some great homages in there. And... Um, it it touches on like everything from Dick Sprang to Mike Mignola's art to uh, Batman Beyond and Dark Knight Returns. Like it, it's got a ton of very fun homages and, and one to two page adventures with Batman in these worlds. Um, and it that that part was awesome, but it really kind of pissed me off about the art for the last six issues. Like we've had this art that is serviceable at best throughout this whole series. And then we hit this double page issue and you have to get almost more than halfway through. And then we have this amazing sort of tapestry of art and imagination. And it just, for me, I think that the, I really enjoyed the ending of this, but I'm a little bit grumpy that it took so much kind of okay storytelling and okay art to get us there. So that, it's not the issue. It's my baggage with the issue. That, no, I think that I think that's a. My I think that's totally fair. Roman, what do you think of this? 
I feel similar similarly um I had actually skipped an issue or two in this storyline because I got bored because um, I don't care about the red mask villain and you know I got tired of Batman on this other world and this issue I didn't really care until Batman started jumping through time and space um aping the you know the the Batman returning from the caveman days after he was killed yeah. from the end of the Grant Morris line and they do all that here and yeah I was amazed I, and I thought I mean it's different artists right like yeah, when there's he, only three artists on the book okay because yeah when like he's in the Red Rain universe with the vampire Joker it, it looks like uh, not Kevin Nolan but uh, Mignola or yeah right the Red Rain one um, Kelly Jones yeah, um, Kelly Jones that was the artist of that one yeah and, and there's a I mean just I loved these those parts um but it looks and like Sinkevich inking Gene Collin on those pages. Yeah. There. Yeah. That's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Um, and, and that was really fun. And he starts picking up um, items from other Batman to help him succeed in his mission and get closer and closer. And I love that, you know, Adam West, the Adam West Batman gives him a utility belt. Yeah. And it's and- got the most <laughs> famous Adam West thing of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The space shark repellent. <laughs> so I, I totally agree. I think the first half of this issue was very ho-hum. And I think that it, I think just like Django said, I think that um, ultimately the journey of Batman on this planet, I think we spent like five issues with, and I think it could have been three. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it needed mm-hmm. to spend this much time here. And then this thing happens and he starts trying to get back to our multiverse. So it's not even just jumping through time. He's jumping through different realities. That, I loved a ton and I loved the mechanism behind it. So when he showed up in this reality, there was no Batman and Joker existed as this guy with a red mask, kind of like the red hood and kind of the, the, the what we've proffered in the psychology of Batman or the, the, you know, the, the mythos of it is that Batman creates Joker, Joker creates Batman. They're kind of two sides of one coin and necessary for each other. And so in this world without Batman, the Joker is not the Joker. He's the person who makes the other Jokers. The Jokers, yeah. So he's trying to become the Joker. Mm-hmm. And what the way that he's doing that is by accessing other realities and seeing how they became the Joker. And what he realizes is him going to that reality causes that person's psyche to break and become the Joker. So we have Batman chasing this red mask guy through all these realities while he's sim- simultaneously either creating the Joker or bringing him back from the dead. I thought that was awesome. I thought it got close to that line of mythologizing characters and villains, but didn't cross it. The like right. Spider-Man, like you're the spider totem. Like this was no, these jokers existed and this guy didn't proactively do anything, but he saw the transformation moment and maybe that's what caused it. Um, so I like that very much, but I love that you're, you know, I think maybe your mileage may vary in this one based on how tied you are to the worlds he goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he goes to the Batman 89 and you're like that's fun and then Red Rain and that's awesome and then you're like for me what did it was the animated series stuff there's just like a perfect mm-hmm. representation of Batman the animated series and Batman Beyond you've even got Batman the imposter in there all these recent ones like the and guy jock. said yep jock oh yeah I was thinking of that as the imposter was that jock who did you... I forget who did oh. the imposter but um, oh, I don't know it looks it looks like the end of that detective run with jock and Scott Snyder yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that imposter <clears throat> black mirror. And then there's, you know, like they go to the video game universe, which I think is in a very poignant one because that's another one where Joker broke his own neck and, mm-hmm. you know, basically killed himself and blames Batman. 
and then I love that the shark repellent becomes important. I love the Frank Miller's. I love the homages. It, it was just, and then I loved that at the end he had to stay himself and he couldn't jump out of this multiverse he was in back to ours, even though he had the tools to, because he couldn't leave this bad Joker that caused all this stuff behind. And then at the last minute, Tim shows up. And if you've been reading the backups, it's intricately tied in with that and his costume. And I, I just loved all of it. And the final page is it shows all of the Batman that we saw. And then the antithetical Batman of Zurin R of each one of those realities. And I yeah. love the seed of that. Like what is the seed of that? Cause kind of Zurin R put Batman in this situation. He caused fail safe and all this stuff. So like the, the Zurin R of Adam West, like all of do that. You, do you think we get to wait 15 years for any of those to pay off? Like we waited for Zurin R to show up again with chip. I have no idea, but I would hope given the Morrison seeds in this run, yeah. I would hope that he's planning to do something with it in the in the way that like the Infinite Council of Reeds or Infinite Council of Dooms or right. Infinite Mephistos. So all of that made this issue a 10 for me. I do think we spent too much long time in this universe. I think five issues could have been three and the impact of this issue still would have paid off. But uh, it is the most fun, exciting comic book I've read in a long time. It really made me feel like a kid. Oh my God, it's the video game. Oh my God, it looks like yeah. Frank Miller's art. Like, the Frank just... Miller section is so, I mean, it's all so spot on. Yeah, it is. Like that horse. Yeah. The horse, man. Fucking Batman on a horse. It doesn't really get much better than that. No, and just those three pages of art that look like Frank Miller and our two Batmans. Like, I just yeah. love our Batman touching all of these other reality Batmans. It, it really, uh, it just, you know, reminded me of that huge love of comic. I was deep in a COVID days, and uh, I don't, I frankly <clears throat> don't remember some of the books I read, and that one yeah. stood out like a light. One thing that uh, stood out to me is when he gets to the first universe, and um, the Batman '89 introduces himself by saying, "I'm Batman." He says that in the movie trailer, also. It seems and like that was coined dialogue to try and define a Batman to exactly. A yep, exactly. Totally which agree. is an insane catchphrase to have, which yeah. is just <laughs> introducing yourself. Yeah. And now we're supposed <laughs> to know that you're Michael Keaton. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That's I can totally hear his voice in it. Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree. Um, and then there, there's two two things that I thought were interesting early on. The first one is when Halliday, who is the the Joker with the red mask, first breathes in the the mist that sends him to the multiverse and he goes into the killing joke scene where the joker comes out of yeah. the ace chemicals and on the next page the joker from killing joke says care for a fourth and yeah. then he stands up and walks away and it's all three of those jokers from the, the three the jokers three jokers yeah that i, I thought that was interesting that. yeah that line of dialogue i totally agree it was like oh cool you're tying in this one yeah and and putting it in the three jokers universe maybe rather than the killing joke universe which has kind of been absorbed in, into main canon sure yeah yeah the biggest problem i have with this storyline is I, I i don't think i'll ever want to know who the joker is and having the main bad guy be the joker here and have a name and have like a defined history even in an alternate universe um i, I don't like that at all yeah I, I, I could totally it, it, see that. To me, it exists as just it. like a different Joker and not him. You know, there isn't a Halliday in our universe, but... It, well, there isn't, but he has that that tie to the other Jokers. So the Joker was Halliday, and I, I just... It just turns get, me yeah. off a lot to have to have the Joker that. defined when 
I think the the best part of the Joker is that he's undefined. Uh, I agree. We, we've talked about that before. I agree. I agree um, with you, Jenga. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give the last half of it a, uh, an eleven, and I'm going to give the first half of it a seven. So it gets an eight. I'm going to give it a boy. I don't know. Um, I'll give it an eight for the last half. Hell yeah. 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 I didn't really care about the first half. Hell yeah. Yeah. I I really I really enjoyed this arc. I do agree also with Django about the the art was so lackluster. For mm-hmm. the time we spent over here, it feels a bummer to have needed to wade through that after the nice art of the first stuff. And and then I don't yeah. remember who did the original art. It was it was issues. the holdover from Jimmy TIV, right? It was Jorge Jimenez. Was it Jimenez? Yeah, I would yeah. believe that. And like, why why are you like, no offense to Mike Hawthorne. Mike Hawthorne. Like, <laughs> he's not a bad artist, but I, he's no Jimenez. He's he's no, or yeah, Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. He's, he's just not. Mm-hmm on the level of the people that have been drawing Batman since Tom King took over. Totally. Uh, yeah. Super bizarre. Hey, Django, Kyle Starks finished a book this week. Oh dude, he did. And he also didn't finish a book this week. <laughs> he sure. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> he did, let's he did little, both of those in the same comic. Let's have a little Stark spot. Where um, monsters lie. Number four, where the monsters was lie. Both finished four. and unfinished by Kyle Starks this week. And this book starts with a young kid who's about to be drowned with his package wrapped up in a guillotine. <laughs> and Django was like, Kyle Starks is killing it. And he sent me a picture of this guillotine child penis thing. And I was it's like, oh, Django. It was two things. It was that he has uh, two toggle switches under his hand. And one says hand and the other one says dick. Yeah. And then he's saying, yo, man, is this a guillotine on my dick? Yeah. And like... There's just something so uh, obvious about everything on that page <laughs> and hilarious. It's and like that page. same joke continues. Like it's it's a setup for Saw, but the kid's like, no, nah, that's not a puzzle. That's just a choice. <laughs> and like later on, the guy's like, that's not a that's not a question. That's a riddle. Um, and, and like the kid beats the thing by just making a fast decision, which is the obvious decision, which is to cut off his hand instead of his dick and run away. Cause you got two hands. Yeah. Jesus. But it's your right hand. Yeah. You can learn to be lefty. All right, everybody yeah. let's yeah. choose between. Okay. So you guys would both cut off your and, right and, hand. And if you're thinking, dick. yeah. if you're thinking ahead, you can grab your severed hand and take it with you and maybe they can sew it back on. That's mm. what I was thinking too, about how hurt it much would hurt to cauterize your hand. Mm. I don't you know, know where I would fall on that answer. <laughs> I don't know. Also, his junk's in underwear. Like that's gonna dull the blade. As I would think so too. No, thank you. I was no, literally just thinking about how much you. weight would have to be tied to that thing hanging for it to actually have the force to cut his wiener off. Not the point. Yeah. The point is that my Kyle dick Starks... just shriveled all the way up inside me, Jeff. Yep, that's <laughs> what I've known to love about you. Um, uh, so yeah, this little four issue thing ended. Um, I kind of wanted more of it. I hope oh. we get more of it. It, it it basically ends on like a cliffhanger though, right? Like I hope so. Like the last page is is definitely a cliffhanger. And the page before that is like this Sophie's choice. Yeah, there's there's no way he's not gonna do another one. I think that this is like Hellboy sort of four issue arcs that we're just so. gonna get and, and follow. I, I when hope the so next too, issue comes out amazing. you're gonna hear me be like, I didn't think we were gonna get any more of this. So so yeah. yeah. I optimistically agree and pessimistically wonder if it's done but i think that it was um very well done in good its... twists throughout yeah and i like peter kowalski's art and i think it worked really well for this little mini who's peter kowalski he's a, it's a good joke <laughs> Roman, did you read where yeah, the monsters lie 
<laughs> I did, and I agree. It's it's, it's a fun series. I mean, the, the some of the the homages to different serial killer monsters from film. I mean, the way the um, the showdown in here between the Leatherface analog and the Michael Myers analog was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just fun. If you like these movies, do you like this book? And yeah, it's totally set up for sequels in a few different ways at the end. So that was cool. Cause I was well, wondering, go ahead. Oh, I was wondering how they're going to wrap it up in just four issues. And yeah, they didn't. Didn't even try. It felt like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had that, um, that Roman, as you were talking, it's just like, yeah, you're right. This is an infinitely recommendable book. Mm-hmm. Like, do you like eighties yeah. slasher things? You're going to like this very much. Or do you like homages to horror? You're going to like this very much. Like, or do you like just straight up comedy or do you like, yeah. You and know, like, there's this era slash. of comedy or sorry, era of horror that hasn't this air of comedy in it, you know, like the screams mm-hmm. and stuff like this is this perfect, wonderful meta take. So it, it very much reminded me probably because I've watched the first one for the first time, but it reminded me very much of like a scream one or two. You know, yeah, just this wonderful homage to a genre. Yeah, man. The the scene where the guy starts eating, like he's super sad that his kid is dead, and then he just starts eating him because he's an incorrigible cannibal. Yeah. I played bass for incorrigible cannibals in high school. You did. Uh, um, also all cannibals are incorrigible, Django. Look at uh, Roman. Yeah. I thought he was kind of corrigible, but I, now that you mention it, I think you're right. I don't he like gets, that look he just gave us. I'm, I'm he so smelled glad the this mic and then made podcast. a weird smell of it. <laughs> no, I was trying to do the Hannibal Lecter sound. <laughs> That's when our audio ducking missed a joke again. Damn you, Zoom. We're going to have to go back to doing this in person. Um, I gave it a 9.0. I, yeah. I think it was a really good issue, and I think it was a really good miniseries. And when your only complaint is that you wish there was more, that's a that's a good complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I give, I give it an 8. Uh, no reason to dock it, too. I'm just... I, just grumpy, I guess. <laughs> I'll give it a nine. Yes, indeedy. Well, your um, business partner got COVID and bailed on you, so you've been working a lot. I've been grumpy. <laughs> I've been grumpy. Dude, the fire alarm went off today. I love the fire alarm. Louder than it's ever been before. Oh, good. So they increased we, it. We evacuated the store. Moments like that remind me to be calm, so I excel at being calm in them. Yeah. Well, oh. when the fire department showed up and discovered that someone had pulled our fire alarm by the stairs... Someone pulled our fire alarm. Yep. I got a lot less calm. Yeah. And I just want to walk up and down our street and punch anybody that I think might have done that because I love it. So fucking irritating. I was at home. It was not me. (laughs) Yeah, that was a work. My other my other work. Hey Roman. Did you read any of Edge of Spider-Verse number one? Uh because did you with with the big the big old spider dinies? I didn't read the dinies because I didn't care about that. I read the oh. backup because it was written by your guy, Xander Cannon. Oh, yes. I, that's, I, that is why I picked it up because of Xander Cannon. Um, though the Spider-Man, the dinosaur Spider-Man was actually pretty funny. Yeah, the, the Xander Cannon one I didn't think was very good. Yeah, it actually wasn't as good as I was hoping. That 6.0 was looked like somebody trying to be Francesco Francavilla. Tell me about the dino part that was good, though. Yeah, um, it was just good and stupid. I mean, they've had this spider t-rex show up before but it wasn't as good as this story i don't know if it's the same writer but they've even got the you know the spider-man um cartoon theme song but it's but it's been rewarded for a dinosaur um and it's stupid and it's fun and and his his adopted parents aunt may and uncle ben are a couple of pterodons 
but he's a T-Rex. So, Aww. you know, <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of goofy stuff about him trying to like fit into their like cliffside cave dwelling, but he can't cause he's a T-Rex and he keeps falling <laughs> falling down the cliff. I read the wrong half. <laughs> yeah. There's a Craven analog, but it's a saber tooth tiger that wears instead of like regular Craven that wears the, the lion skin over his shoulders. The saber-toothed cat wears a, a gorilla skin over its shoulders. <laughs> oh, man, this sounds pretty good. I just found that page in here. That's all very cute. Exit Craven, Craven Tooth the Coward. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a Venom that trains as a regular, a, bro- a nice gentle brontosaurus into a raging Venom T-Rex that he has Dang to fight. <laughs> I gave Edge of Spider-Verse number one the half I read a 6.0. I feel like I would have liked the other half more. <laughs> I, I think you would have. Um, yeah. I, I I agree that second half that I was so looking forward to though it is the first page is creepy very yeah. creepy because it's a giant spider behind a desk and a blackened film noir webby thing that's awful yeah I was but, curious just how you felt about the spiders but yeah that's that's a six I, I the whole idea of that spiders man it's a it's a in one of the spider verse verses um that it's a group of spiders that thinks that it's peter parker so they form a human shape in a spider-man costume that whole idea is like yeah that's a disgusting idea and pretty clever (laughs) i agree uh what'd you give what'd you give it um well the first story i'll give i don't know 7.5 maybe even an eight so i guess all all together it's uh seven point eight for the whole book i guess that's 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 good i think that spider that that dinosaur one would have done it for me too Django, take me somewhere nice Wait, you gave it a six and a half, Jeff? I gave it a six. A six? Wow. Got to read the backups, baby. Well, this was, I only read the back. Oh, you only read the backup. There's got to be like some pattern here that we can find that gets you the whole comic in you. I would hope so. Can we talk about Peacemaker? Yeah, talk about Peacemaker. Try hard. This is the only comic. Peacemaker tries hard. So do it. Number one. Roman, did you read this? Oh, of course. This book made me (laughs) laugh out loud more than once. Yeah. like, first of all, there's this like running joke about meat cake, like eating <laughs> eating a cake, you know, or muscle cake, right? Yeah, muscle cake. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you making here? Some kind of muscle cake? And he says, I don't think muscle cake is a thing, but I'm going to the internet search it at the earliest opportunity. And then that keeps coming up later on. It's so funny. And I like the the Steve Pugh art is wonderful. The way that he's holding the dude up. He beats up all these terrorists and he's holding a guy up uh, against a, a post in the middle of the room with his middle finger up the guy's nose, like holding him up off the ground with just his <laughs> middle finger up all over his nose. Um, <laughs> and, and, and like he, he finds his dog and it's a cute dog and he's like totally bowled over by this dog, but he's just such a dummy and such a dick and like he gets covered in shit at one point and he kills just some dude at a at a sewage plant who just works for the city <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's co-workers like ah oh, no it's fine uh i'm pretty sure he was a pedophile so like i wouldn't worry about that <laughs> yeah this was i mean this this was right up there with episodes of the show i mean it was that funny and mm-hmm. and they and you know steve Pugh draws him so he looks like john cena and He's still got moments where he shows how, you know, sad and lonely he, he is. Yep. And just like the show, it's great. There's some great uh, little art things um, 
well, of course, the Steve Pugh, but some great little, there's some sound effects during that fight with the terrorists. <laughs> like, like one guy, he shoves him into the ceiling and then he punches him in the, in the junk. And the sound effect is flawless victory. It's a Mortal Kombat reference. <laughs> yeah, but a Mortal Kombat reference. But the ceiling one is just ceiling fucked. <laughs> yeah, and like he rescues this little dog that has, it looks like it has a tuxedo on. So he names the dog Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and so he's running around with Bruce Wayne through the whole thing. And like, yeah, man, th- this, I haven't read a comic that made me laugh this hard in ages like it was probably that other kyle stark book the the one about the hobos looking for the spear of destiny red red rock candy mountain Mountain, yeah like that that one made me giggle like a little kid and this this one did the same thing in the dc universe and i didn't even have to like think of the the john cena connection because this is definitely based on john cena's character design but yeah he was um, in doom patrol number two last week mm-hmm. also and i was like we're really trying to make peacemaker a thing oh he's in doom patrol yeah yeah huh pretty prominent well th- i'm sure they're gonna have another season did you watch the show jeff i watched the first episode and okay. it, it was charming and i love john cena but i i don't i think it's the best thing dc's done in a long time oh like like i mean batman was great too but i really like the show um yeah man i i think if if you're looking for something funny looking for something that that doesn't take itself too seriously but is still set in the dc universe um and also like just give steve Pugh your five bucks or whatever this thing costs like this is this is an amazing amazing book uh kyle starks clearly doesn't need it because he can just crank out comics four in a week or whatever yeah he can um 10 10.0 for this one for me yeah did you this is so great there's and there's little just cute art things and when the I forget his name, when the bearded dude is leaving uh, Peacemaker's trailer, there's a there's a guitar over the door, and it's oh, he plays. it's a it's a guitar, but it's all but it's also some kind of rifle. <laughs> yeah, it's got like a scope on the top. Oh, nice. and, yeah, nice. yeah, and I totally was like, oh my god, I want to know about this guitar. Can you play it and shoot it as a weapon? I mean, how does this <laughs> is this all functional? <laughs> yeah, super super entertaining. Well, I hate moments like these where Django and Roman are both laughing out loud <laughs> at a comic that I didn't read, but here we are. It's all right. Most of our customers probably didn't read it either. They will uh, now. Well, yeah. it was no, your job to make them do it this week, you two. No, I was this, busy. Is, this is fantastic. And in the, oh, and the next issue is going to be, oh, going to have Deathstroke. Yeah. And yeah I his, lo- mission, his mission is to co- collect Deathstroke's genetic material. Yeah. And oh. I just, I just love that because. Peacemaker, I mean, though he's around decades before Deathstroke, he's like the, you know, the stupid version of Deathstroke. <laughs> totally, totally. What Unless kind of score would you give that, Ryan? Um, I'm. Oh man, I'm going to give it a nine point five because I'm saving my ten for another book. Oh, <laughs> all right. It's is it? I, I have no what idea what it's going to be. Ryan, wow, is it Star Star of Science? Oh, you guys can. You guys You guys know which one it is. I don't think I do. It's got I the world. Problems. It's got the world's finest team doing one of the world's finest superheroes ever. Roman, do our, do our, do your 10. Is, was a Batman <laughs> Superman comic this week? <laughs> no. What was Shazam? It? It's fucking Shazam. Yeah, it's Shazam. My score for Shazam written on my paper. Yeah. 5.5. Oh, lowest score right. of the week. Lowest, yeah, score, lowest of the week. score of the decade, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, Roman, sell me on Shazam. Oh, sweet. 
Um, well, Mark Wade is the new Grant Morrison. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is. <laughs> well, this is kind of a uh, I would almost say a revitalization of of uh, Captain Marvel, which is uh, uh, Wade is clear is pretty clear here. He feels like I do that. Yes, he's not Shazam. That's the wizard, Captain Mar. He's Captain Marvel, the original. Um, but this starts off with him riding a dinosaur because there's these space dinosaurs that ended up trapped on Earth, and he and he saves them, and then he has tea with them in their space their space that was saucer. Pretty cute, pretty that cute, was very cute. Um, but Mark, wait, I I expected to like this uh, Dan Morrow artwork, um, and I expected to like this because I know Mark Wade's a an older comic book fan, and he loves these old characters like like Captain Marvel, Shazam. Um, and he's got all the comics knowledge and the science knowledge to do something interesting here. And, and he does like, he brings up the fact that Captain Marvel and Billy, like say, unlike the recent movies, they're slightly different people. Um, Captain Marvel isn't just simply Billy as an adult. Mm-hmm. So they share memories and, you know, some personality traits um, He points out that, he has the wisdom of Solomon, but wisdom isn't the same thing as, as smarts. Um, and I like, I, j- I just like little differentiations like that. And he brings up the thing about the name. Uh, Cause he talks about how, I like Mer- that. yeah. How, how his cousin and his, and his two of his family members were kidding him after he screwed up some maritime thing, disaster and started calling him captain, like a sea captain. And now they're just calling him captain. So I like that they're leaning back <laughs> toward the actual Captain Marvel name and they bring up the fact you can't say his own name if it's Shazam and you know how dumb that would be because right. if you accidentally like, oh, I'm Shazam, oh, crap. <laughs> right. And then you're Billy Batson in front of the world. <laughs> yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. I just, I think that... 5.5 sounds like you hated it. I can't yeah. get you Spider-Verse 6. I like right, the art. <laughs> um, it, it was, my complaint is easily the most forgettable comic I've read this week and in a long time. Like I read it and then two days later I flipped through it. I was like, I don't think I read this yet. And I was like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Like, oh, right. He got mad at the end and he shouldn't have gotten mad. I don't yeah, think cause... anything was poorly done. I just, I, I, for me, it's a little bit like guys, you str- no one can predict why Nirvana became famous. You know, like no one knows why the world loves Batman and Superman. We don't care about Shazam. Let it go. Uh, you know, like, it's like, oh, man, I bet I bet we could give Soundgarden one more go and they'll become bigger than Nirvana. It's like all the time what I feel like, you know what? I bet if Pearl Jam released another album, it would be bigger than Nevermind. And 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 it's not like I think classic comics fans like him and I, and I like him when it's fun and leaning into it. A big thing I do like, Roman, is that differentiating the age difference between when he's a child and when he's Captain Marvel. Because I don't think the whole, like, I'm just a kid in a big man's body now. I don't think that works. I think some difference about the wisdom needs to be examined there. And I think that Mark Wade does that well. I don't I don't think it's bad. I'm just like I read every Shazam number one and I try to like all of them. (laughs) And there's nothing in here that grabs me at all. Like maybe one of these days we just need to be like, maybe I'm going to write a good Superman story instead of a, you know, a good Shazam story, which no one fucking cares about except for Roman. Not not no one. I'm I'm being hyperbolic, (laughs) but it, it, it I was just like, okay, like we're doing this again. Like, yes, lots of people care. He why why in 19. 
40 whatever he was more popular than superman right and just like <laughs> none of them ever last you know we just finished like an 11 or 12 issue one within the last year and like no one was reading it like they just keep trying to do this it's not a character that for some reason whether it's the villains or the mythos or whatever like it doesn't seem to get traction um yeah. and we keep devoting valuable resources to it um and- this one's this one's gonna get traction they brought they got all the classic Talky Tawny's back. Live and I love that. Praise that's the my, fucking Lord. Yeah. My, but that was the, my favorite part. That was my favorite part. Was and they combined. Tawny. Yeah. And he combined it and he did it without um, contradicting what Jeff Johns brought to the Shazam characters. Now they've combined all that. And I love the little touches. Like he, he hangs out as Captain Marvel at the Rock of Eternity eating junk food and crap because it has no effect on, you know, his superhero body. <laughs> that magical metabolism. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and the fat and the, they brought and Wade figure brought in because uh, in the old comics, Billy was a uh, first a radio broadcaster. And then I think in the seventies, he was on TV or something. And he brought that back to updated that, that the kid now Billy is um, a YouTuber. Is he a YouTuber? He's got some kind of, yeah. Don't forget to like, and subscribe. He says, Oh yeah. 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 And that was one of the cute things in the art. I thought that, uh, that, there's once they show um, a screen while he's broadcasting and a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of the little comic, a lot of the little comments are just like Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Vintage Captain Marvel. (laughs) Yeah. It as a, as a Shazam Captain Marvel fan, I was like, Oh, I love all of this. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I just have a a consistent problem with Shazam being like, I don't like a superhero. That's a kid because I don't trust their decisions. And I don't like the decisions they make. And that's consistently kind of been part and parcel with Shazam. But I think if they're trying to tease that out and like when he Shazam, he has the wisdom of, I want to respect the intelligence of the person that is the hero. And if it's a 12 year old, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, so I gave it a criminally low score. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, don't be sorry. It's, it's, you know, how you react to things is how you react to things. I, I hope it. I hope if you read futures, it changes your mind. But I'll if read it doesn't, second oh one well. for you for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, thanks, uh, Django. You still hate cats? I'm fucking terrified of cats now. That this is the scariest comic. Scary. Yeah, I I read crossed. I, I <laughs> fucking where monsters lie. Like, give me a horror comic, I'll read it. And this hairball comic is one of the most unsettling, fucked up things I've ever read. Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins are spinning a yarn about a cat who fucking hates everybody. And it is very unsettling. At one point, she tries to drown the cat, which is a pretty horrific thing. And it dies. And then it comes back to life. Yeah. And that's after it sets her house on fire and kills her parents. Yeah. One of whom had a stroke probably because of the cat. And her mom just wheeled him over to the corner because she was mad at him and made him look at the wall. Like those parents and that cat are kind of working together to just be shit. Yeah. The difficult foster home situation is such a bummer in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about this is just kind of horrifying. It is. It's one of the biggest bummers I've ever read. And the fact that it always has a cat on the cover stuns me. Well, the cat's (laughs) covered in blood on the cover. It's got a little ketchup on its mouth. Yeah. It's just got a little strawberry jam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to see this uh, adapted into a, into a film if it was somebody yeah. good doing it. Um, though, 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 detail point, it didn't actually succeed. Somehow her parents, it doesn't explain how, but they survived the fire. Um, but you only know that from a line of dialogue from her grandmother. That cat's oh, okay. going to be pissed. Yeah, yeah. 
this was the last book I read today, a comic I read, and that's and it's oh god. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like the foreboding, the last line of dialogue is yeah. that's why I had to kill everything living thing on that farm. So yeah. just this it does. It has the trappings of like a, a horrific horror movie, like, you know, I don't know, insidious or something. You're just mm-hmm. like, this person knows something and it's everyone thinks I, I guess that's a, a horror trope I hate is when one person knows a supernatural truth and then everyone just discredits them because they think they're crazy, but they're right. the only one that sees the truth. I'm like, oh, like I, I don't like that in a movie, but it, it's it's a really wonderful dynamic here in this book. I wonder how it's going to fit into his larger Grass Kings spy superb mythos. Well, so a couple things. I think that what you're describing where people don't believe you, I don't I feel like she doesn't even try to get people to believe her. No, I, it's it's just like that is a claustrophobic, terrifying feeling to me. Yeah, but like, but but knowing that the things that you're seeing are too crazy for anybody to believe is even more claustrophobic than telling people and not having them believe you. Yeah, right. True. Like, there's no release valve there for her, and so yeah. she's like suffering in silence through through her flashbacks, um, and it's not until she's on the couch kind of recapping her story that she's actually able to tell the the psychiatrist about it. I would guess that, um, I mean, what if she is a little bit bonkies? Like what oh. if she's imagined this stuff? Yeah. I'm, I was wondering, I mean, she's gotta be a little bonkies with all this, but I was wondering if in future she was to reveal that, that, Oh, the cat's just a normal cat and it's all the girl or the girl imagined the cat, but, but that couldn't be because you know, other people have, been acted upon by the cat or or she's yeah, imagined she been, the cat's intentions she's doing it and or, you know, yeah no that's true maybe yeah her dad's in the wheelchair because of her not and not a cat i love that the next issue has the cat holding i think it's it's either bruce wayne's hand or the kid from that other kyle stark's book's hand in its mouth yeah we've had some severed hands this week it's yeah. very yeah it's a very uh david lynch cover for the next issue thought about cauterizing hands a lot this week one point uh to mention for uh this book hairball number two this is 32 pages for 5.99 so that's kind of expensive for a comic uh i do not feel like it is laborious at 32 pages at all Um, i think it's a very well paced comic with gorgeous art and i'm only just noticing now that it's you know one and a half issues length and a dollar extra so and also uh, nicer paper than anything we've seen from marvel in a year and a half yep the paper quality on this if that's something that you care about which we do um is is gorgeous it's like nice thick paper the colors look gorgeous on the blacks are very rich and and appropriate paper for the art and the colors too like tyler and hillary jenkins are a, a heck of a team, but I wouldn't want to see them on glossy, glossy paper as much as I like seeing them on this. Jingo, do you want to guide good. us? Do you want to guide us through a series of buckshots? Can I guide you to an eight and a half off for this one? Yeah, let me tell me what I would guide myself to. Yeah, I gave it a nine point oh. Roman, what uh, if if you were to guide this book to uh, some sort of number? How would you don't, like? Don't tell us what you would lead it by, like what you would grab onto to get it to get there. But what? But what tell would us you, what what guide what, us to your guide. what horse slot it would be crossing the line as. I yeah. my my scene at my scene eye cat would guide me to a nine. A nine. 
Nice. I'm just an asshole this week, you guys, and I apologize. No, you remember when I gave Shazam a five and a half and Roman gave it a 10? <laughs> That's a pretty well, huge disparity in scores. Neither of those scores surprised me one bit, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I had to predict your scores on those, I'd give it a zero because I didn't even give it the time to read. Django, my new favorite bit that we've been doing is that I can't do the buckshot thing because my mic doesn't pick up on it so how do you want to guide this how do you want to steer the ship how do you want to rudder us to shore well i think uh you, you said i'm going to do a buckshot but you're going to do a buckshot go okay immortal x-men number 11 kieran gillen somebody named warnick sorry warnick i'll tell it at the end uh lucas <clears throat> this is clearly the series that's coming out of sins of sinister Sins of Sinister Dominion was last week that series ended, that whole thing. I thought it was a very fun romp adventure, um, a la things like Days of Future Past or Age of Apocalypse. Very fun spine of a series, and then three three-issue series comprised the bulk of it, and those were kind of hit and miss, but the overall thrust of it I thought was really good. And then this thing coming out of it uh, wraps a bunch of the stuff up and moves things forward. Overall, I would say since Hickman left the X-Men, this is my favorite uh, moment of somebody guiding the X ship. So uh, Kieran Gillen, I think you're doing a good job there. And I like the kind of political Game of Thrones nature while still being very much in Krakoa. I read Astrobots number one from What Not Publishing. This was very much like you get a Transformers series from IDW and you're like, sweet, I love Transformers. Let me read this book. And they're like, we've got an idea to make you like this. It's going to be super fucking political, super dry. <laughs> we're going to be on a different space. We're going to we're going to tell you all about the social and political structure and you're going to love it. And I never do. And this was very much <laughs> in line with that. Also, turtles and rabbits living together under one roof. That was great. Again, the art was absolutely gorgeous. The story was good. But above all, it's just great to see that artist showing those two uh, fields of characters playing together. And that's my buck sheezy. That's a pretty good buckshot, Jeff. Lucas Wernicke, Wernick and Kieran Gillen, I give Immortal X-Men a 9.0. I give the Turtles and the Rabbits a 7.5. And I give those rowdy, rowdy robots in space a 7.0. I wish that was more fun. It's pretty dry, though. But I love robots on a robot planet that look like people in space. You know, I think people like the Transformers political stuff is you the feeling so? that I get. Yeah. That's but why it they took... reboot it all the time and no one reads it. No, I mean, it's got, it's got okay numbers and I see positive things about it on the internet. Like no bad numbers at our store, bad numbers at our store. They've rebooted the numbering quite a few times. They're always adding mini series to try and get new readers in and they abandon those titles. And all of the people that I know that love transformers don't really like the comics. Your use of Tan Haas, your Spencer Ellsworth's, your hmm. one other transformer guy. And I, but I, I get the feeling online Lights that get juggled that around all the time. People don't hate them, hmm. but maybe I'm nuts. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, that's true. Maybe that's true. Um, so I'm going to do a buckshot after Roman. Roman, go. Go, Roman. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, since we're recording this on, on May the 4th, uh, happy May the 4th be with you. I'll do some Star Wars books. And also with uh, you. <laughs> live long and prosper. Uh, Star Wars 34. It's, this is still the main Star Wars book, and it's still a lot of fun. You know, it's Luke. This issue, it's the beginning of a storyline with Luke and R2. They're adventuring through space, which is what we all like to see, because Luke has to make his first lightsaber. Because, you know, in the movies, Ben gave him a lightsaber. Well, it gets destroyed, and he so he has to go go and search in kyber crystals to make his very first lightsaber. And, of course, mm -hmm. things go badly with him and R2, and 
it's a lot of fun. Uh, Lando number one. I'm not sure if this is a new series or just a one shot, but it's him and Chewie um, trying to raise money to there's it's set after empire. So they're searching for Han and he's been frozen. So they're trying to still rescue him somehow. Um, and it was all right. There's gambling and adventuring and, and Lando proving he's not, not actually a dick, even though he always pretends to be. Um, oh man, that's it for my star Wars books. Uh, Groot number one by Dan Abnett. This is set in uh, when Groot was still a little Groot and his planet has been ravaged and the Kree get involved. So it's, it turns into adventure with little Groot and Captain Marvel, the second Captain Marvel, when he was just a private in the Kree army. Private. <laughs> <laughs> private Mar. Uh, oh, go ahead. What? What? Oh, I was just going to do a jump dog. Is it Private Marvel or is it Private Vell? I don't know. Oh, that's a good question, Roman. I guess it's Marvel because his name is all the Cree names are, you know, hyphenates. I'm just still stuck on Jeff liking those robots more than like Shazam. But uh, what do you give scores for these? Romans? <laughs> I'll talk about it. I'll talk about I, it. I didn't read the I didn't read the Transformers or the robot book because um, it looked dry. But I was curious about it because, again, you know, giant robots. That's got to be cool. There might yeah. be a kaiju. You never know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And I have to go back and read it for the kaiju. It looks like um, the IDW rights to that franchise may have even just lapsed as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, we don't fucking care. No one fucking. Knows. <laughs> <laughs> like, IDW's in big trouble right yeah, now. Yeah, they've been in trouble for a while. You're right. Oh no, are they? Oh, yeah. Um, I give. Oh man, I'll give Groot number one. Uh, I'll give it a seven. Lando, I'll give. Ah, geez, I don't know. A six. The art was cool, um, but it, it didn't really. I don't know. It didn't really seem to do much to be important. How are those Star- Return of the Jedi one shots faring? Is that the first of them? I uh, ordered a bunch of them over the course of several weeks. I'm not sure if they've started coming in yet besides this one, but like there's these. I can't remember. Is this the first one? Um, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it was all right. The art is good. The art by uh, who is the artist here? Um, oh, there's it's the usual thing. There's no credits page, yeah, page in an yeah. obvious place. Somebody named Lopez is the artist. Oh. Um it was all right. I mean, it's it's cool art. If it hadn't been for the the good art, I I, I don't probably wouldn't remember anything at all in this issue. And you know, I don't care that much about Lando. I mean, good smuggler. Yeah, what's his name? Um, I forget the name of the actor that played him in Solo. Harrison Ford. Child no, that n- n- played Lando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good. That was my favorite version of Lando. Um, what kind of points do you give Star Wars thirty four? Which, by the way. Day of release was selling for $35 on the internet. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why? I don't know. There's probably a first appearance or something. Um, well, I guess there is this woman that shows up. I don't know if I guess she's going to be important somehow. Don't know. Uh, she seems like a throwaway character. It was good. I, you know, I like Luke and R2 adventures. I think I think that's yeah. one of the Star Wars things everybody likes. Yep. Luke and yep. Luke and yeah, Luke and R2 having an adventure in space, going to planet to planet fighting creatures i've always loved that period of time where he was building his own lightsaber too yeah yeah um so this one i'll i'll give this one a uh i'll give this one an eight nice you know, i don't know fun. how to surprise you with your buckshot without uh, being in control i'll just do it oh go go oh fuck oh it's my turn heavens to murgatroyd that was good that was good is that good um, I believed it. kyle starks i hate this place also known as Fuck This Place with art by Artum Taklin. Three Starks books this week. Yeah, three. it's a Stark week. Um, this is like futuristic version of these characters and time travel. And 
I thought it was an amazing shift in what this comic has been. Hmm. Uh, are you reading this, Jeff? No, I wish I was. Yeah. I just kind of dropped off in the middle for no reason. This is this has the like like a, a mild flavor of time before time to me in that I don't think that it's the genre that it's set out to be. And it's not and, something you'll be able to get other people to read. Yeah, but it's it's one of the best comics that I read every time it comes out. Um, I also read Batman, the Joker, Deadly Duo, Book 7, Mark Silvestri, Arif Peranto. Art's still amazing. This has some good, good, like, twists at the end. Uh, it almost feels like Mark Silvestri is setting himself up to have his own sort of um, White Knight universe. Um, but I really liked the the way that they kind of played with this stuff in, in this book. And then Parker Girls is great. Um, also, I read Star Signs. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I, I'll probably read the next. Whoa, that surprised me. I'll yeah, probably read the next one. <laughs> Star Signs. What was that one? I was, yeah, I was curious about Star Signs. It's a, it's an image book by Saladin Ahmed. Oh, I want, I, okay, there you go. I wasn't in the store this week when I, I like his work. Yeah. The, the art's okay. It's a little boom, boom side of image art. Um, but it's this, uh, young girl who, who lives in a world that, uh, like the the zodiac signs sort of show up in the aurora borealis and some people get powers and she's one of them it's it's nothing like earth shattering but she's able to stop time and it's fun to watch kids learn how to deal with superpowers um so yeah i thought it was pretty good i think you're pretty good oh man i know your mom and i like my instinct was to say i think your mom's pretty good but i don't think that would have been appropriate <laughs> she's, she's probably listening right man. now she's like She's a good person, and that's why I don't feel like I can make that joke. Um, Star Signs, I'm going to give it a 7. Batman the Joker, Deadly Duo, I'm going to give this issue uh, an 8, and I'm going to give the series a 9. I think I think it's one of the better Batman things. Like, it's the only 7-issue Batman thing that I've finished the weeks that it came out. Different Batman um, Fortress. Well, that one was great. A similar pocket of, like, kind of off-the-beaten-trail-but-good Batman stories for Batman fans, if you're willing to do the digging. Yeah, yeah um i hate this place 9.0 parker girls like shut up just read it that's all i love you oh buddy like love everlasting how's tom (laughs) king doing on that i don't know what the fuck's going on in that but this this was the (laughs) this was the least repetitive issue that we've had so far like it feels like we're getting somewhere and i'm i appreciate that about it i appreciate you about it gross um, all right, we got to get out of here because I keep yawning. It's time for me to go to bed. I have to wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to fly to Vegas tomorrow. Dude, <laughs> I don't want to go. Too late. Too late. Wait, weren't you just in that state? Yeah, I was. Jen made me go to Reno. And yeah, I did not friends. fucking make you why go to you, Reno. Why are you, you going back? To go to Reno. He said, Take Jeff, me to Reno. He said, Jeff, you have to come. <laughs> you have to come. Why, why are you going back like a week later? Because I love Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Let's open up a comics place in Nevada. Roman. Ooh. Jeff's going to visit a comics place in Nevada. I'll find us a good spot, Django. Cool. Oh, God. In Vegas? You're going to have high, high and low lows in Vegas. You like it. Oh, we, yeah. we can call it Hoover Dam Comics just because then, the, then, then they can do that. That Wasn't there a vaudeville joke about Hoover Dam? Whole routine. Vaudeville. <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to be like Will Elmer and call us right as we're starting to record this podcast, you can do that by sending an email to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You can record an audio message. You can write an email out. All you need to do is attach that message in text or audio form to an email 
that you send to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. We want it. I want it. Django wants it. Roman wants it. We're hurting for your squirting. And uh, <laughs> and we would love we would love for you to help us out for that. So help us hurt no more. Go on. You so fucking... it's been really fun hanging out with you. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. <laughs> I'm going to blow my nose after this and get a good night's sleep and then go to Vegas where I will be perfectly not immunocompromised and I'll be safe <laughs> and it will be good. Dude, you're going to be able to just fucking go into casinos and huff other people's cigarette smoke. I'm going to huff. People. You're going to be able to like grab drinks off of uh, server trays. Yeah, as, as and they're, they're going to look them. at me. They're going to look at me and be like, are you going to pay me? And I'm going to be like, what do oh, I do? Oh, wow. That was one <laughs> of the best parts of our trip to Reno. Roman. Django, as we get out of here, why don't you tell everyone that story? We were. Uh, Django had just won a thousand dollars. I I had almost won a thousand dollars. I I lost money down to seven hundred dollars on a sixty dollar investment. So I won six hundred and forty dollars, which is way better than I've ever done. It it probably puts me about even with my entire lifetime of gambling at casinos. But anybody around Jeff would have told you that he won a thousand dollars. We went to another casino, which was our hotel, and uh, decided to walk around in there. And and I was going to drop another forty bucks in a machine, and I did. And while we were sitting there, I don't think you guys were even playing, right? You nope. like we were just like I'm hanging just there out to help you win money. And the waitress came up and offered to get us drinks. And so we ordered like one last round of drinks. It was probably one drink more than any of us needed. And when she brought them back, she gave us our drinks. And then I turned around with like this wad of $700 and looked at her because I wasn't sure if we owed her for the drinks or if I was just tipping her. Because like, it was like, it was never like, really been three, comped in a casino. It was like three full seconds of awkward silence, which sounds like not that much. <laughs> <laughs> but when someone has provided you a service and you don't know how much to pay them and you spend like three seconds staring at them because we know in Vegas, if you're winning money, they come give you free drinks. So you keep trying. But to I hadn't won money there. Not there. I've no. never been comped at a casino. But your friend Jeff had made sure everyone knows that you won a thousand dollars. So <laughs> so they showed up. I think we all got drinks or maybe just you and I got just, drinks. Yeah. And yeah. uh, what was it you said? What what was the verbal exchange? Like, I don't think I said anything. I I, I looked at her. I might have said, I don't know what to do or yeah, something like just, that. I think her response <laughs> she said, was, it's up to you. you. Yeah, it's up it's to, up to you, you yeah. is what she said. And so like, I think I peeled off like six or seven dollars. I was like, I'm just going to over tip her yeah. because I don't know if these drinks are in here. It was pretty good. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, she was oh, nice. Also, that same night, uh, we had gone to a very expensive seafood place because in Vegas places or well, Reno, sorry, in, <laughs> in Reno, little Vegas, in Django. Hey, come with me to Reno, everyone. <laughs> You're going to fucking love Reno. And if we go to Vegas, I would have won seven thousand dollars. Reno, everything's very expensive, seafood especially. And I had gotten the cheapest item on the menu, which was like a chicken dish. And then we had to go do things and weren't able to go back to our room. So for like hours. <laughs> For like six hours, I feel like I trucked around this to-go dish of like chicken scallopini piccata and uh, trucked it everywhere. And our final stop of the night was Django getting us some free drinks or whatever. And I got to my room at least seven dollars. <laughs> I realized I had forgotten my six hour trucked along chicken oh, no. at the final slot machine. 
Um, <laughs> that was her tip. Yeah, enjoy oh your piccata. So anyway, you can hang mostly out with capers. us next week. It was mostly capers. You can hang out with us next week. Uh, we're excited to do it. We're excited to be here to see each other, sniff each other, take deep huffs. Um, so yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. Send us an email, Jeff at thecommonspace.com. And I am always am Jim. I, as always, am Django. Did that even work? Oh, yeah, it worked. I'm wrong. Work. Yeah. Try it again. Oh, man. <laughs> see you next week. No, try it again. Okay. Yeah, I keep hearing it. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 uh... Oh, now, now I've got buzzing on my end. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>